And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This episode is presented by BetMGM, the exclusive betting partner of The Athletic. Sign up at BetMGM.com using the promo code THEATHLETICPOD. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Big Football Show, a podcast by The Athletic about Big Ten football. Today is Wednesday, December 1st, and this is Scott Dockerman. I mostly write about Iowa. Today I'm joined by our Mitten State colleague, we'll call him that, Nick Baumgartner, who covers uh, Michigan, Michigan State, the Lions, and uh, upcoming NFL draft. (laughs) You've got got it all covered here, and uh, interesting in every area. So, Nick, thanks for joining us. Been a big fan of your work for a long time uh, when you were covering Michigan back at uh, the M Live days. So. Yeah, likewise, Scott. I've always loved you and uh, Mark. You were asking me about the one of these years podcast that I have. Uh, your podcast with Mark Morehouse back in the day was always one of my favorites. I always loved that one. I wish we. I wish it was still around. The On Iowa Pod, right? Is that what it was yeah, called? Yeah, because did such a good job with that. I always liked that. So always been a big fan of Scott's. Of course, Scott's <laughs> the best. Can't wait for Michigan, Iowa this weekend. This is going to be a, uh, an old throwback, Scott, like back in the day in the 80s. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, maybe we'll get one of those uh, 1985, 12, 10 games, one versus yeah, two. Right. Or, or, uh, but you know what? I'll settle for 2015 Iowa, Michigan State, in a 22 yard drive, one way or the other. That was good, too. Yeah. Yeah. I, were you there for that one? I was, at, I covered that one. Yeah. I was at that. That was the, um 20 play something like that right like 22 play 22 play final drive that michigan state had yeah that was the wild that was a i remember that being a way better game than anyone thought it was going to be because i I remember i was undefeated no one gave them any credit for being any good michigan state was really good that year too no no one gave them any credit it was a great game so maybe that'll be maybe that'll be similar on saturday i don't know we'll see it was funny i remember going into that game uh, i was talking i think mark rudner before he retired with the big 10 and mm-hmm. and i and he was just kind of well what do you think i said well based on the way d'antonio and Ferentz plays almost every score has been 16 13 so right. that's what i think it's gonna be and that's what it was and um but man yeah. i i call that game if nothing else one of the greatest fist fights and I it really know. was yeah i mean it was grueling physically yeah. and and uh, neither D'Antonio nor Ferentz wanted to admit it, you know, after the game, later on, even in the summer. But, you know, I had a conversation with Kirk, at, I think it was this summer, actually. And he's like, you know what? That game took so much out of both of us. I don't yeah, think yeah. one of us survived uh, the bowl game. And, of course, they both got crushed. Alabama killed Michigan State. Stanford ruined Iowa's. Right. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, I was on the field for that. La- for that. I, I remember I left the press box when that drive started and I got to the field and it was like still ongoing. So I was down on the goal line when LJ Scott scored the touchdown and yeah, like the, the car wreck sounds of, and you know, it's Lucas oil, it's full, it's loud. And we're down on the sideline 20 feet away. And it was, I, yeah, I'll never forget that. That last drive was as physical 
like a seven minutes of a football game as I think I've ever seen like live. It was just like, here's what we're going to do. We know what you're going to do. And it was just boom for like that whole quarter. It was crazy. And I, I would bet that we see something similar this weekend uh, with the Wolverines and Hawkeyes. I would bet. I'd be surprised. I would, They're disappointed otherwise. You know? Yeah, I agree. I mean, this is, both these teams play this style of football. It, you know, warms my heart is kind of a, yeah. I know you're, you're an O-line aficionado. Yeah, yeah. I am too. I love, I love it when, you know, I, I love breaking down offensive line football. Oh, yeah. I love breaking down the nuance of, you know, pin and pull gap style versus zone and how they attack and different things. And, um, you know, no offense to everybody else who seems <laughs> like the other way, but, but to me, you know, if I watch a good 16, 13 game, it's like watching a two to one baseball game, yeah. you know, you know, for me anyway. And, uh, um, you know, kind of starting with the Wolverines, though, a year ago about this time, mm-hmm. uh, COVID and other factors um, really shut down the Wolverines. Um, they would have they went two and four. Uh, they were going to go two and six. They were going to get beat yeah. by Ohio State sure. by 60. Yep. Iowa would have blown them out in, in Kinnick in that last game. They didn't play probably to their credit. They didn't play. What happened over this year? Because I had no idea that they were going to be. Yeah in this ballpark at all. Yeah. I think most people didn't um, and myself probably included. I, I think what happened, a lot of things happened, of course. So COVID COVID happened to everyone. And I think that as everyone saw across the country, you know, a lot of programs went through this, um, you know, the best stuff you did as a program got highlighted and the worst stuff you did as a program got highlighted. And I think for Michigan, a lot of the disjointed, you know, they've been, they'd gotten so militaristic and so like, you know, the Harbaugh way of, you know, when he first got here, when he returned in 2015, you know, it was, you know, football's not supposed to be fun. This is a grind. We're going to be like an NFL team. We're going to be pros here. And you know what? When he had the older guys in the first couple of years, that worked. And then, you know, they brought young kids in and it didn't. And it stopped working and he wouldn't change it. And it finally got to a point where at the end of last year, and I think that all things that happened sort of allowed this to be possible, that it really revealed, I think, to Jim for the first time, with full clarity, like there are several things here that have to change. The game has changed. Players have changed. Their approach has changed. Families have changed. What they want is different than what it used to be. And it finally, I think because there was no other reason, no other way to go. I mean, I don't think he wanted to leave. They didn't want to fire him. So it was like, Hey, if you want to be here, a couple of things are going to have to change. You know, one of which was going to be your salary. And the other, the other part was going to be, you have to be more open to accepting help from other people. And, you know, like Iowa, Michigan's a program with a ton of resources and not just money, like coaches and people and, you know, people you can tap into for help and things of that nature. And I think that as simple as it sounds, that's really what this was. It was, you know, him, him being Harbaugh, really embracing the full complement of all Michigan can do for you if, if you really, you know, lean into it. And I think that that was probably the weird disconnect and that Harbaugh's just a weird guy and I think he, he doesn't like to ask for help. He doesn't like to lean on other people. He wants to do it himself. He's stubborn. But when he finally said, hey, look, I need help, the whole crew was ready to help him. And they're 11 and 1. And I mean, that's, you know, it's, it's hard to explain this to some people, I guess. But, you know, you, Scott, you cover Iowa, and that's a program that in a lot of ways is similar to Michigan in that they don't really apologize for a lot of things. They do their own thing. Um, it's hard to explain it if you don't, if you're not in it. But when you're when you, when you have somebody that says, look, I need help and everyone runs to help them. That's a pretty cool thing. And that's exactly what happened this year. And it's, it's been kind of cool to see. 
No, over a similar timeline, Iowa's had to deal with similar yeah. issues um, mm -hmm. in different ways, of course. You know, yeah. we're talking 18 months ago, they went through the most difficult thing that they could as a program. And that was, you know, a racial bias uh, situation yeah. where, you know, up to 60 players it said, look, things need to change here. That mm -hmm. uh, and, and rightly so. There were a lot of issues um, and they got rid of their strength coach. And, and I know some people think that, oh, well, that's well and good. At yeah, Iowa, yeah. He, he was actually his title was. Chris, uh, Chris Doyle's title was director of, of Iowa football. He Huge. Was, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah right. And, and you look at Iowa football over the years Crazy. and what they've done with two-star linemen from small town, Iowa. And the whole program. Right. Plays, you know, he, he, I think you can, I can separate it because I've seen it. Mm -hmm. The, the Doyle way, which drove people away, but then also what he could do for players. And, <laughs> and, and that's, it's the proofs in the pudding. I mean, you, you took yeah. all, you know, like yesterday, for instance, Riley Moss became the, the fifth D-back when DB of the year for the Big Ten. Only two of them are three stars and three of them are two stars. I mean, great. just the development that they do is yeah. great. But they had to change. And if they yeah, weren't going right. to change, you know, kind of like with Michigan, I think they were at a crossroads where there could have been mass transfers. Big time. Got to go. Got to completely change. Well, you know, the, the Harbaugh's humility – which I don't think anybody expected Kirk's humility for being a 65 year old man saying, yeah, okay, I have to change. And he lets go of his best friend is the, you know, the guy who was his chief Lieutenant and built Iowa football in some ways. And then, okay, I'm going to be more inclusive be more open. I'm going to do all these things. And, you know, and since then I was been 20 and four, you know, right. or 16, 16 and four, I should say. In games. Imagine that. You know, yeah, right. and, I, I've seen it over the years where, you know, and Iowa's been like clicky, you know, mm -hmm. where, you know, you've got small town, Midwestern kids who just kind of like country music and hang out. And you've got, you know, they go to D Detroit or Chicago and then they'll get their recruits there and they kind of just hang out, do their thing. They've been more together, hanging out. Oh, just, yeah. Mm -hmm. Just even just talking more and stuff <laughs> than ever before. And so I think that's really fascinating when you look at kind of those two dynamics for Michigan and Iowa. Because yeah, I agree. They could at this point they could have been in completely different areas, different head coaches. Yet they're both willing to do that and and still stay true to their principles and tenets as right. programs. Want to be physical. Want to you know Jim, you know for for all the Josh Gaddis hire and they're going to be like you know throwing the ball around in Alabama. Shoot, they don't <laughs> no. Like yeah. slam ball, you know? I mean it's funny because all like you said all the change, all the things they did, and and they did change. A ton of stuff this year and you know all of that happened and yet at the end of the day they got to they got to practice in spring and Harbaugh said we're going back to doing exactly what we said we we're gonna do when we got here seven years ago to hell with all this other stuff you know we're gonna be more efficient spread the field do these things but yeah they got back to doing exactly what he did at Stanford exactly what he did when he had Kaepernick and they were you know rocking and rolling with the 49ers it was all downhill it was all you know gun runs and they blocked everything. They, it was it was a lot like what you see from some of those really, really good Iowa lines where it's like, hey, they can block everything you call. Mm -hmm. And it was every call all year long. And they didn't flinch. They didn't back off it. It was, uh, I think for Harbaugh, this was, he's not going to admit it, especially unless they don't win these games here in the next couple of weeks. But this is probably the most enjoyable year he's probably ever had. Because I think it, it got him back to, um, you know, his roots, I think, as a coach. And it probably gave him some confidence back too. You know, I think that coaches like this, we take that for granted, you know, and I know like Ferentz has been there forever and they go up and down and they change way more than people ever see. 
on a year to year basis. But I, I would guess that, you know, Jim's confidence probably got rocked a little bit last year and knowing how he thinks the fact that they went back to doing a lot of things that he knows works and um, probably and the fact that they did work <laughs> this year again, probably tells me that he's in a much better place uh, going forward. And that's why I think you heard him say the other day after the beat Ohio state, that that felt like the beginning of something for him and not, the culmination or the end of something. So very unique and um, Michigan and Iowa, very unique programs that kind of do things their own way and don't really, and look at, I mean, like a lot of places I think right now are sort of copying the, what Michigan did with Harbaugh, you know, like we don't hate him. We're not ready to give up on him, but there's a lot that needs to change here. And we want to do that with him. So maybe that's what you do. They've done that with Ferentz at Iowa before they're doing it with frost in Nebraska. I don't know if it'll work in other places, but you know, for, for Michigan right now, this is the, the right move. Yeah, I think stability says something. If you mm-hmm. like who you've got, and if, if yeah. they're that person's willing to to make changes, whether it's staff changes, style changes, uh, just interactions, you know, small mm-hmm. details. I mean, it, it really proved out. And I think that's the case with Harbaugh. Kirk has done the same thing over yeah. as we talked about, but then also, you know, even after 2014, you know, I'm going what kind of back with Kirk, but um, you know, they were 34 and 30 over a five year period. It, yeah, I remember it was stale. It was mm-hmm. um it was a boring program and, and they've really chased away a lot of good recruits. And that was kind of the Doyle effect in some ways. And, and he can't, you know, he's like, Hey, you know, and it was like new Kirk is what we called it. New Just, Kirk, yeah. <laughs> you know, and then they went 12 and Oh, and, and really the last six years, um, I think Wisconsin has one more win than Iowa. And then, and then only Ohio state has one more win or right. more victories than anybody in the big 10. So they're right there yeah. exactly where they need to be as a program. I don't think anybody pretends that Iowa needs to be Ohio state or, you mm-hmm. know, they had to have realistic expectations. They just hate it when they lose to Wisconsin more than anything. Right. Yeah. <laughs> With a rival. Right. But um, when I look at, at Michigan, you know, going into this year, I thought, Oh, you know, okay, their schedule is amenable, especially early. Washington mm-hmm. passed. That turned out to be you know, Washington's horrible. Right. Um, but they just kept grinding. And, and what? Ronnie Bell goes down. And I think yeah, like the second game. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, how are they? You know, but they always ran the ball effectively. And mm-hmm. I know the questions I heard them all the time was, well, can they do that when they play? Right, exactly. Game? Yeah. They did. And yeah. they did. <laughs> So what is it about their offensive line and, and Haskins and Corum mm-hmm. that's going to enable them to be so successful? So the thing with Michigan that I guess gets lost in the shuffle here um, because of all the other stuff that goes on is they've quietly, you know, the biggest task for Harbaugh when he got here was fixing the offensive line, was getting it back to, you know, what it was when, when Lloyd was here, um, you know, toward, toward the end, I guess, with Lloyd, at least through the most of it, you know, they always had those great lines and, Hall of Famers that came through here and everything else. So it was like Michigan should still at minimum be able to do that. That was their sort of plan. And quietly over the last couple of years, you know, they've had some really good lines. And this is another one where they've got they've got some younger guys and Trevor Keegan and Zach Zinter who are really good athletes that they weren't quite sure if they were ready yet. Um, and there was a lot of that. It was like we, a lot of talent in the spring. They looked at the group and said, we think we got some guys that can do this. But Andrew Vistardis was really, I think, the center, um, you know, who's an older player, a former walk-on, who's been through a lot medically, you know, physically with his body and everything else. But he is such a smart player. He's the smartest player on the field basically every time he's out there. I mean, the, the way he's able to um, – I love watching him block because he's not a dominant blocker the way that, like, Linderbaum is at Iowa, right? He's not, like, one of these guys. He's not going to be a first-round pick, but he is so smart. And he's so good at just sort of like contorting his body, getting in the right place. And they're just really good at getting just enough of people 
not giving up on blocks. They stick with guys and they play all the way through. They made the change um, from Ed Warner to Sharon Moore this offseason with the offensive line coach. And I don't know if I've seen, you know, a group come alive like they did with Sharon Moore. They, that was a home run. I mean, all the way. And Ed Warner was a good coach too, uh, developmental and everything else. But there's a click here with Sharon Moore mentally and everything else that these guys, you know, he talks to him about emptying the tank and they do it for him every single time. And it has been, I think they challenged the line in the spring because they said, you know, we're going to, we're going to go with Cade McNamara likely he's a, he's a still a youngerish quarterback. And there's some things that, you know, he needs help with. You guys have to carry the team. And I think that they put that on their back and they took it serious and they are still taking it serious. And I think that that as everybody grew around the line, they continued to sort of be the foundation and it hasn't changed. And it's been that way all the way. And that's usually the good recipe for Michigan teams to be successful. And it's been that way this year. And then going into last week, um, I just saw a very confident offensive line. Yeah, you know, yeah. you know, in Ohio State, for all their offensive prowess, no question, it was really the line of scrimmage that where Michigan oh, yeah. won this game, and certainly yeah. on offense, just to be able to, to no, no let up. No, you know, there was one mistake pass, and that was it. Um, it they dominated it. You could just see the confidence growing, and then mm-hmm. and then they have the right backs. Uh, you know, oh, form yeah, yeah. hurt a little bit, but but. What is it about Haskins? That Haskins, my good. God. You know. Yeah, he. Uh, I tweeted during the game, like, I don't think there's anybody who quite moves a pile quite like mm-hmm. Haskins. So, you know, he is another one of these guys. Harbaugh's recruited a lot of kids like this over the years that go on these journeys. You know, they find him from random places that, you know, they, he, Hassan was not a touted recruit. I think he was like a two-star that became a three-star or whatever after they found him. But they got him here. He was a small school back. I think they moved him to stack linebacker twice back and forth. I think he was offense, defense, back and forth. And then finally in the middle of like 2019, they were going through some things. They had some injuries and they tossed him in there and they found out he could, he could run between the tackles a little bit. I mean, he's got that, you know, low, low body leg churn, shoulder drive. He runs behind his pads, never falls backward. You know, those Frank Gore yards that Harbaugh just cannot get enough of. Mm -hmm. And that's Hassan. He's that guy. And he's got the right mindset for it. You know, when, Harbaugh first got here, um, they had a kid named Davion Smith. I don't know if you remember Davion Scott, but he was a big 230-pound tough kid. Wasn't very fast, not at all really, but he was like a big tailback fullback who could get downhill and never got knocked off, never never lost yards. Hassan Haskins is a lot like that, but with more speed and, and agility. And Davion, I think, was Harbaugh's favorite player here for a long time because of the way he runs. And I think Haskins is is growing on him in that, in that way. He's just such a consistent player. I said this said to Brendan this week, like he's the guy that I always take for granted. I, I probably don't give him enough credit because he's just been so consistent for them for two years, two and a half years, really. And um, cool to see him get that you know reward there on senior day like that. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. But what I've noticed about him a little bit, and maybe this is the Michigan game as a whole, is that not only if the opponent has really good run fits, he finds a way to yeah, squeeze through. It's mm-hmm. uh, if it's second and six, all of a sudden it's third and one, and you're like, "But he was happen? really a two yard gain. How did he get five? And yeah, and those hidden yards are just beautiful. It's everything. Yeah, it's everything. And it's like Harbaugh's talked about that for years. It's give me the back that if we block it for three, that can get me six. Like if it, if the play's blocked for only three or four, if he can get seven, like we're winning the game. Like that's the back that we can win the game with. And that is, it's such a great point. Like he's, he's able to on those like zone runs inside where he'll sort of get up to the line, press it right to the line and almost stop and then decide which hole he's going to pick or which whatever running. And then he kind of dips that shoulder and you're right. Like one yard becomes four and then that becomes 12 and then 15 and then like over and over. And that's just, that's how they play. And, you know, he's the hammer and then they've got Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards to be, kind of their stretch players who can, you know, blow it up too. So it's a really good combination with all three guys back there. You look at the passing game. I mean, Caden McNamara is, uh, you know, it wasn't, they've tried so many different times with with somebody to to be more than a game manager. And I don't, and and I know that's such a negative connotation, Mm -hmm. but to win football games, you need somebody who doesn't turn the ball over and make things makeable. And and he certainly does that. And, and, uh, you know, well, how have they adapted in the past game since since Bronny Bell left or got hurt? I should yeah. say. It. And uh, what's you know what what's their danger level? Is it just more of a hey, just play action and and hit the tight end and, and occasionally? I think the, the tight end has become a big part of the passing game, and I think a lot of it has they've really started to lean on what McNamara does best, which is he is really good um, at those like intermediate not quite short, but like the 10 to 15 yard over the middle tight window throws that a lot of quarterbacks don't want to make because they're nervous and you got pressure coming on you. And if you can just wait another half second and let a receiver get open, like he's really good at those and like the tight end delay stuff, some of the stuff that comes open over the middle. Um, Alabama recruited Cade when Gaddis was there pretty hard because of his, not because of his physical, you know, because of his play recognition and be able, you know, kind of, flip off of that one, that route's dead, go to the next, go to the next. When they can kind of get him in those intermediate spots, that's why he's been so good on like third and six when it's, he's hard to press, he's hard to blitz, he's hard to pressure because he doesn't really get rattled in the pocket and he just does a really good job of standing. And he's gotten so much better at this, at standing in there and delivering like a really good 12 yard ball. Like just because they've got, you know, Eric Hall is a really good tight end who's grown into you know, he's an NFL prospect. They've got Cornelius Johnson, Andrew Anthony, some of these guys can go over the middle and make plays. And they've really done a nice job of finding things that McNamara, you know, can sort of pinpoint and keep drives going. And, and, and that's been the key. You know, they've been able to be really good on first down, really good on third down, don't take sacks, don't turn it over. And that's been, that's been their whole offense. It's a fascinating matchup, that side of the ball versus Iowa's defense, because this is – the, the greenest of the defensive lines they've had in a while. I mean, yeah. that's really, that's dudes for a few years there. Oh, yeah. I mean, 
you know, AJ Epineza was really good. Uh, Davion Nixon was Big Ten Player of the Year last year, Defensive Player of the Year last year. Chauncey Colston was really good. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, they were they're really rotating a lot of guys, and and they have a really good young core right now. And they rotate the heck out of them. They try to get as much as they can. Um, they're they're good and their run fits. They're just they're still a year away. Which um, yeah. you know, when you're going against a team like Michigan, you kind of fear a little bit um, if you're Iowa. But just you know, they they play a two gap scheme most of the time. You know, try to prevent that cutback. Try right. to manage the the guys. And and if they do that, they've got a, a really exactly. good linebacker core. I mean, their linebacker trio is, is outstanding. And then their secondary, although they're missing one of their big pieces uh, for the rest of the year, Matt Hankins is, is really good too. But um, you know, my fear for Iowa against this type of team is that they just, they can't get to the quarterback quite as right. regularly as they have in the past. I mean, they got 24 sacks, which is good, but not really good for them when they hit 30, that's kind of the number that, that yeah. would push them over the top. So I kind of wonder um, if they get run on, a lot, uh, you know, the four to five yard churn plays, then right. boom, here comes play action. They can't get to the quarterback and it leaves their secondary vulnerable, which is very good. Obviously they, you know, they lead the country in, in interceptions and they've done a great job there. But, you know, if you have an accurate quarterback who, who's willing to take the 12 yard exactly. cross, yeah. and dig. just be patient. Yeah. Just take what's there. And I think that's what he's done, but also too, like, you know, Iowa, I'm curious here because Michigan's line, part of the reason why they're so good is like their guards are so athletic and they're able to get out wide, but also they're able to get down on those linebackers. Like, like you said, because they've allowed, I think the center and tackles to just mess with the guys up front and not have to worry about getting out in space. But if I was linebackers, because a lot of times Michigan plays teams that have bad linebackers and you know that college football safeties and linebackers are usually bad on most teams and Michigan has taken very much, advantage of sloppy linebacker play. So this is actually one that I'm very curious to see because Iowa, like you said, Scott, they're green up front, but you know that they all are well coached and they understand run defense. And I think that that's the thing when Harbaugh teams over the years, when they play teams like Iowa or Wisconsin, it's different because the the yards that they find against sloppy defenses are never there in this game. And this is the one where they really have to, it's, it's the true test of are, you're not going to get gimmies. You know, you're going to have to block the full, if it's a seven man run scheme, you got to get everybody. So I am curious to see how efficient this is because Michigan's going to run the ball on them. Yes. And I was going to be ready for it, but I want to see, there's not going to be any surprises here. Right. So, like I want to see how, how they kind of equip themselves against a team that knows what's coming and mentally, I think is probably prepared to handle it. Yeah. That's going to be the key. And I think that is what can help them because yeah. they do have, they have three safeties and they have three linebackers. I mean, they kind of alternate right now between a, a four, three and a, and a four, two, five. Exactly. And, uh, and, the, and all of them are, are quality players. I mean, they're not just like better one way or the other. Yeah. So uh, Jack Campbell, who is, is one of the better linebackers in the country and probably one of the five best linebackers. I think um, it's funny talking to Brian Ferentz before the season. He's like, he's the best looking linebacker. We would have had at the 08 Patriots. You know, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, six five, two forty, can cover Perfect. ground. He's like a tight end, yeah. But he's he, he thumps like a, a linebacker. I mean, he is legit. He's only a junior, so he'll be back. Yeah. They've got kind of the traditional Iowa linebacker and Seth Benson. You know, he's a two star guy who's going to go to South Dakota State. They lured him over, and now he's just you know a, a bowling ball of a pop. Machine. 
Yeah. And then, then the best one for their linebackers or the one they stole really is Justin Jacobs. He was a four-star Southwest Ohio. They got in on him early. They kept him. Ohio State offers him. And Iowa traditionally is like, once you're committed, you can't visit. Yeah. They, right. actually, they actually allowed him to do it. And they said, <laughs> okay, go ahead. Go ahead and visit Ohio State. And he decided to stick with Iowa. And he's, you know, really that he, he's the type of linebacker that he plays outside. So exactly. sometimes he's over the slot. Sometimes he's yeah. up on the linebacker. Does a lot of different things. Uh, he's just uh, – he's been great. And then in the secondary, they've got um, – you know, Dane Belton leads the Big Ten, five interceptions. He plays their cash and uh, sometimes yeah. strong safety. And then they got two other safeties that can really thump one of them, which is uh, from Detroit. <laughs> Great. Yeah, always. They all, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Avon Merriweather. Um, mm-hmm. He's a two-star who's going to play basketball. I think he's at Belleville. And, Belleville, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And, uh, you know, Phil Parker, who's kind of been a oh, yeah. Great, great secondary coach. Big time. You know, keeps tabs in the Detroit area, and then everybody kind of feeds them. Hey, this is kind of an Iowa guy. You might want to look. They always. Him. It's amazing. They find these guys like under a rock, and they always end up in the NFL. Like Bill Barker's a legend. Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, like like they're, they're five uh, DBs of the year. Micah right. Hyde. You know, Marcus was his older brother, played at Michigan State, but Mike, a two-star quarterback, 168 pounds. He's still in the NFL, and he's been made it to Pro Bowls. Uh, Desmond King, Detroit kid, yep, you know, yep. had like 29 interceptions in high school. Amazing. Yeah. Everybody, <laughs> everybody knew like Desmond. That. Yeah, that was a different one. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, Josh Jackson's uh, yeah. two-star from Dallas, and he's, yep. um, you know, and then Imani Hooker, who plays for the Titans, and then now Riley Moss, who was a gray shirt. And, yeah, you know, gray shirt. Doesn't, doesn't have a PCL, but, you know, yeah, that happened earlier. Yeah still pretty good so that that's the fascinating matchup that side of the ball but um i tell you what if there's one matchup that scares the hell out of iowa it, it's blocking the edge yeah um, right jesus <laughs> i mean ferentz is not hyperbolic when it comes to comparisons at all right and he's yeah. comparing aiden hutchinson to he's like well i remember when i was in the nfl and then i you know a million years ago and he's like he reminds me it is motor howie long and john randall and he, he's like, I'm like, holy shit. John Randall. <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Yeah, I mean, I mean there's like, nobody. But it's not wrong, right? When you when you watch him, you're like, well, maybe. I, I guess. Like, he doesn't stop. He just goes and goes and goes over and over. Yeah, it's crazy. And, Randall, uh, that'd be a good one. Yeah, and so just the motor of Randall yeah. and the body of J.J. Watt, you know. And, and so you're just like, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> you know? I, I mean – it's funny, like, I, I I was watching, or I was thinking the other day, like, the last time Michigan and Iowa played a couple of years ago, Hutchinson was younger, mm-hmm. and uh, Quiddy Pay was on that team, too, and, of course, yeah. he's starting with the Colts. And that whole game was decided by Aiden Hutchinson and Quiddy Pay chasing, um, who was the big quarterback, Nate uh, Stanley. Stanley around yeah. for his life for the whole game. And I'm like, well, that might be what this is, because, like, I just, yeah, you're right. I don't know if Iowa has, and no one has to this point, and that's why, I was talking to Chris Burke yesterday, uh, who I do uh, cover lines with, and Chris is a big Michigan fan too, but he was like, you know, how did Aiden become a Heisman finalist, like overnight or whatever, almost? And I'm like, well, it wasn't really overnight. I'm like, if you've really watched this all the way through the year, this has been, and you know, that's why when you hear people like Kirk Ferentz bring the John Randalls out, you're like, well, I mean, maybe, because this has been as dumb. What I've compared it to is like when uh, Joey Bosa, or Nick Bosa was at Ohio state and mm-hmm. no one could block them. And it was yeah. just like, you know, I remember the one with Joey where I think they were playing Illinois and 
Beckham or whatever was the coach, and they tried to block him with four guys, and he got through all of them, and he got a sack, and it was like, what the hell? That has been similar, not maybe to that extreme, but it's been familiar in that Aiden, it doesn't matter. It's been everything. They've thrown multiple, you know, keep tight ends in, put an extra tackle out there, whatever it is, grab him, hold him, whatever. It doesn't matter. He powers through all this stuff. Um, you know, I told somebody after the game, the best compliment I could probably give him is he came in after the Ohio State game. He had the 15 pressures, the three sacks. I think it took him like five minutes to sit down in the chair, you know, for the media interview. He completely empties the tank uh, every time he's, you know, He's a, he's a Michigan man all the way. I, I think that's the best way to say it. And Ojabo is his like understudy. So, I mean, like he's the guy that he took under his wing in January and said, well, you can do the same thing. And so now they're racing to the quarterback and they allow Mike McDonald to do all this different stuff that, you know, they don't have a mass. This is not the most talented defense that Michigan's had in the last 10 years, but Aiden is the most talented player they've had in at least that time. So <clears throat> he's the real deal for sure. All the way. Yeah, and I'm seeing a lot of really good ones. You know, I think defensively, the team I saw in 16 that came to yeah. Kinnick and, you know, lost. They were loaded. Yeah. They yeah. had, you know, Jarrell Peppers and Jordan Lewis and just on and on and on and on. Yeah. It, it was funny. Uh, you know, I, I talked to Kirk after that game, like uh, six months later or something, yeah. and he was like, I have a picture in my office right now of uh, Michigan's line, and they're all four stars, all NFL guys. And I look at us, and we have walk on, walk on, walk on, walk on. You know, and, but they were they were they scrapped. were loaded, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and I look at I look at Aiden Hutchinson and 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 not to get on the NFL draft talk, but I love mm. that talk. Yeah, too. right. If if you're Detroit and you got a choice, <laughs> you got a choice between Kayvon Thibodeau, who could be like Davion Clowney, yeah, freakish athletic ability, but can he be a, a, a Hall of Fame guy? Right. Or day. maybe an Aiden Hutchinson who could be like JJ Watt. Right. And I don't think that's too hyperbolic of a comparison. No, I don't think it is either. I'm, I'm there with it. Yeah, I agree. I, I Maybe it's over the years I've gotten this way that I'm like, okay, I, I'll give you a little bit of talent, but I want not only talent, but I want drive. I want somebody who's a tempo yeah. setter, somebody who walks in and says, we're winning this effing game, yeah, dude. Exactly. Yeah, like we're not going to roll over today. Yeah. Like we're going – this is going to be different today. The thing I said to Chris when we were talking about this – the Aiden Thibodeau thing was like when Dan Campbell <clears throat> sits down with Aiden Hutchinson for the first time, he's going to say, okay, uh, Aiden, do you want to like move in to my house and live in the apartment above my garage and like play video games? They're like the same guy. They're like the same person. They compete the same. They're crazy. They like, you know, it's, <laughs> I think that the, the, and Kayvon is a great kid too. All the things I've heard right. on him is it's very similar. So, but Aiden is the type of kid that I think, you know, physically, He's got all the boxes checked. He's six six, the long arms, the length, the speed, everything else. So he's got all the physical stuff of a Bosa, of all these other people. But the thing that separates it is it's a hundred miles an hour at all times. I mean, he the clip again, the clip of the day from the Ohio State game was the one where he wrecked that left tackle on a fourth down pass that was actually completed. It was like a three step drop, and Stroud got the ball out and it was completed. But <laughs> he told the guy, you could see the clip. He's pointing at him like. I am going to knock you in the dirt here. Yeah. And then he does it. And it's like, right. it's been like this all year. He's a crazy talented player with a crazy competitive drive. Um, and we have seen that from him since he was a freshman. You know, I remember maybe his second year when they played at Wisconsin and they got destroyed mm -hmm. and he looked like he wanted to fight somebody after the game. And it was like, he was like 19 and 
I remember, okay, well, that was a little different, right? Like, so he's one of those type of guys too, that has that edge to him. Well, that, that sounds like that's somebody the Lions need. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah, he'd help. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Not only skill position wise, but but just to have, you know, and I would say on the flip side, Iowa has the same dude at center. Um, oh, yeah. God, he's so good. I love that guy. He's such a good player. Yeah. <laughs> he is, he plays till the, the whistle kind of floats yep. in the air. And, um, you know, Iowa has really struggled in outside zone this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they don't really have a tackle that's uh, they can do it, yeah. Or you know, they're they're you know they just they just got guys out there, and they've mm-hmm. had a lot of injuries up front. So this is not Iowa's best offensive line by any stretch. I mean, there's no Worfs, there's no yeah. Al, uh, Alaric Jackson, there's none of those guys who are you know healthy. So they're basically last couple of weeks. I think they've done this smartly that they you know squeeze the last drops of ketchup out of this bottle of water, <laughs> and it's like we're just going to run inside zone. And yep. we're going to, we're going to let, um, you know, either Linderbaum, either scoop or slip, you know, mm-hmm. tack, double team the, the nose tackle or the guard and then get to the second level. And all of a sudden it's like, okay. And it works. <laughs> you know, and finally it's like, wow, you're getting something out of this. And, and, and watching him play is just a joy for an yep. offensive line guy. And, you know, one of the plays that stands out is actually last year against Michigan state when they won 49 to seven, mm-hmm. um, it was a goal line situation. Uh, so, you know, you've got heavy personnel on defense, you've got 22 personnel on offense and he, you know, he ends up blocking a three tack on his outside zone. <laughs> not only, I mean, and that's impossible. Right. For a center on for a center, yeah. And not only buries him, buries him into the linebacker, both players go down, they run right up behind him for a touchdown. And I'm just like, unbelievable. Oh, shit, this guy's yeah. unbelievable. And he, yeah, it's like, he's like Aiden in that. I think that, they're the, it's a great way to put it because what I look at Linderbaum and I, he makes his guards better mm-hmm. and his tackles, but like, really he makes every guy on either side of him, his teammates, like he get he makes them that much better. Like he, they play above whatever their capability level is because they're playing next to him. And it's the same way with much, like you, you said it because like he can do things like get down on a three tech on outside zone that allows the guard to not have to worry about it. And it's like, the guard goes and does something else. Like, He's a special dude. I mean, he's going to be a first round pick. I think I saw Dane had him in the top 15. I was mm-hmm. happy that Dane put him up there. Cause I was like, you know what? He's a center and that's a weird position for people. But like I cover a rag now uh, with the Lions, right. who I think is the best in the league. He does so much for them as an offensive line that no one sees. And I know Linderbaum's the same way. It's like, if you can get a center that is that good, you can have like average guys to a degree around him and you can still have a pretty good offensive line. So yeah, I love watching those guys. This is going to be fun. This is going to be a fun game to watch because I think both teams aren't going to really <clears throat> shy away from <laughs> anything. It's like, well, here's, this is what we are, so let's see what you got. And, yeah, should be a good game. Exactly. And uh, and and I think both those guys are the ones where if you're a coach, you know, if you know, we see it, we see all the time, you know, and I'm a draft dick, so I, mm-hmm. I know we can talk to this forever. But, um, you know, somebody, well, we need to get a corner or do you really want to spend a, the eighth yeah. overall pick getting a center when you need a, a left tackle because there's only four left tackles in the NFL and there are 58 right tackles. You know, or, oh, does he have arm length, all that happy horse shit. But yeah. I really look at if you got a Tyler Linderbaum or you got an Aiden Hutchinson, you're winning that position. You've got a tempo setter. you got a guy in the locker room who's not going to allow anybody to, to screw up. You're mm-hmm. going to – you need that culture. 
at the oh, next yeah. level. You need it in college too. And both these teams feed off those guys because it's like, I can't take a playoff if he is. And exactly. the defensive tackles for Iowa, which aren't real talented right now, or at least effective, they get their ass kicked every single day of practice. Right. Gross, but then, you know, like Noah Shannon, who's a six foot nothing, 295 pound D tackles, like, okay, I can go against any center in the country. Yeah, <laughs> you know, right. right. And feel like, all right, I'm, I'm doing all right. And he does. He's, you know, he's a pretty good player now because of, of that. But um, what's the second, third levels like uh, for Michigan? And how do you see that matchup playing out? Um, I think so. Defensively for Michigan, it's like, it's been an interesting year, you know, Aiden and Ojabo have been so good for them. McDonald has done a ton for them. Mike McDonald um, to help them, I think, get more answers. You know, they played a lot of split safety stuff and they've done a lot of the gap and a half up front. Uh, some of the, you know, Brandon Staley and Fangio stuff. And I think they've gotten really good at it. You know, Mozzie Smith has been much better this year. The defensive linemen in general, I think inside have been better. What we've seen from the back seven, I think, has been improvement, but it's still like it can still get a little wobbly. Like Josh Ross is is the heartbeat of of the team. You know, he plays his butt off. James Ross's brother played here before. These they're great kids. They play their hearts out. Um, you know, he's not the fastest guy that they've ever had in the middle. He doesn't make a ton of mistakes, but sometimes you can get him in coverage. I think that's kind of the thing with all their linebackers. They've got Josh and a bunch of freshmen, so it's like. He he's pretty consistent. The guys around him sometimes can have hiccups, uh, but for the most part, Aiden and Ojabo do a nice job of, I think, cleaning up any of the junk. And they've done a pretty good job inside with those tackles of keeping them clean. The safeties, it's it's similar. It's like they've improved, but it's not all the way there yet. They've done a really good job, I think, of hiding coverages, disguising coverages. Pressures have been mixed up, and I think McDonald has done a great job of taking some of the things they're not great at and just, you know, disguising them to where you can't hurt them with it, I guess is, is basically the point, because I just haven't seen them get beat badly in areas where it's like, well, your corners aren't great, but they haven't really been exposed because no one's been able to do it yet because Hutchinson's on top of your quarterback and everything else. So they're a really good complimentary defense as good, as good as I've seen at Michigan in a minute. It's not the lineup and just beat you in the face and bully you downhill. It's not that at all. They don't play a ton of man. Uh, they play some, but it's not a ton. It's a lot of, two safeties back, you know, help find help in other ways to fit, you know, to get the numbers back in the run game, but it's very complimentary overall, I'd say. It's really good. And, you know, I, I like the way Dax Hills played. Um, yeah. He's like, gotten better too. I, and I think, I think Vincent Gray competed really hard last mm-hmm. week. And stuff. I mean, that, that trio of receivers for Ohio state, <laughs> <Good>. yeah. <laughs> scary, scary, scary. And, and so to, to be able to, you know, they gave up plays, but you know, everybody's going to give up plays. I don't, Georgia would give up plays. Exactly. Ohio state. So it's, it's just, uh, to me, it's just a really fascinating matchup. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events. We've got the spot. Our partner StubHub has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Iowa made Spencer Petras the starting quarterback. Right. It's, they don't, they're, they're not real strong at that position. Um, it's, it's kind of this pick your poison. Alex Padilla is... You know, started the last three games of the season because Padilla, or Petrus got hurt against Wisconsin, and he's more nimble. He's got great, yeah, feet. right, can move a little more accurate. Well, I mean, seemingly accurate. You know, really good quick release, but he's never been in a, in a game like this. And you know, Iowa played two really high-profile big games this year. I mean, they were yeah. on the road at Iowa State, and at that point, it was a top ten match. That's a big one, yeah, for sure. It's a big rivalry game anyway, kind of like Michigan-Michigan State. It's probably yep. how I compare it. But when you're, you know, again, t- top 10, uh, raucous atmosphere, they hate Iowa there with mm-hmm. the passion. Um, you got to survive, and he did. And he made plays, not a go out of them, but he made enough of them. The defense made a lot, and, yeah. and he was able to win. And then and then Penn State, three versus four at Kinnick. And that was a big atmosphere. They are down 14 points early and he came back and he made some plays. So I don't think that the situation is too big for Spencer Petrus. Now he's going to have to make plays. He's going to, yeah. you know, one of the things that I think he knows, and this is probably where the difference is to me is he understands the, the importance of the pass pro. He's probably able to, to shift responsibilities up front and, 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 and been able to, Okay, <laughs> we might want to do something here, right? Hutchison and, and whatever, <laughs> as opposed to maybe Padilla wouldn't know because he's a sophomore. Exactly, because he's younger. Yeah, right. Yeah, so I think that's probably the right move. Is he going to win a game? I I I haven't seen him win a game. You know, mm-hmm. CJ Beathard kind of did that. He, exactly, it's a difference. Yeah, yeah. So um, passing, he could through, lose it, I guess. Yeah. But like, is he going to win it? That's yeah. You don't want him to blow it. So right. I guess that's my yeah. I'm I'm. Will they have enough? I guess is offensively, you know, to get what they need because Michigan's not a dominant defense, but it's like Aiden is such a hard guy to plan around, especially like because if you're going to go with Petrus instead of Padilla, because Padilla can move a little bit. If you've got a guy that can't move and you can't get, you know, it's like that's where it's like you can't ever be in third and long. I think that that's the ultimate. You know, I always got to play this game in third and three or or third and four and and just hope that you can find a way to kind of chunk it kind of like Michigan. And it's going to have to be that, right? I mean, that's, that's how it has to go. You know, every year, Brian Ferentz has a stinker. I mean, it just, yeah, right. you just go, what are you thinking? Right. And, and really one of the top 
two or three or bottom two or three, if you want to call that was two or three years ago when, or 2019, when they did play Michigan and they lost 10 to three. Yeah. And I'm like, what are you doing? I mean, they're inside the 36, eight times. That was a bad one. Yeah. And they had three points mm-hmm. and it was like, this is, if there's ever a game for Ferentz ball, it's that one, yep. which is punt, 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 fumble. <laughs> Bam, you know, yeah. that's Got it. Yeah. 12 to 10 or something like that. Yeah. And instead, Brian elected to, to drop back past 21 straight plays in the four, third and fourth quarter. And it's like, what are you thinking? You're only right. down a touchdown here. You're right. at the 25 yard line. Do something. And, and his guards were bad. That was Worf's worst game, by the way. Yeah. I remember that game. Yeah. Eight sacks. Very strange. Yeah. yeah. It was a lot. It was like, but that was also like Quiddy Pay and, uh, Michael Dana, who's all with the Chiefs, they had Michigan had some guys like they. Yeah. That's the thing is they they've got guys to do it, but sometimes we don't always see it put together. So I mean, this is an interesting game, but like you said, I think that that punt, 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 screw it up. Let's see what happens. That's mm-hmm. probably Ference's move here. I would assume, right? Like it's going to be, let's see if we can catch them in a weird one. Let's see if we can maybe get them to screw it up. And I think Michigan's kind of played people the same way this year to a degree. They've had more firepower, but it's like, that's why I've been, I was glad to see this one. I didn't want to see Michigan, Wisconsin again. I want to see this one, see what this one would stack up against, but yeah. And and I'm an old school, big 10 guy. Yeah. This is fun. Where you've got two programs that don't play enough of one another. I agree with that a hundred percent. They should play every year. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I, I love the old, uh, maybe not the names, but the old legends division, you know, playing, you know, Iowa, Michigan State, I always said was Rock'em Soccer Robots. You yeah. know, and and it was great, great football. And, uh, you know, same thing with Michigan. And, and, and if there's anything that I'm not really a big fan of the East West divide is that in some ways it's divided the thought. I mean, this used to be such a cohesive league. Yeah. And you're playing everybody regularly and, and you never really the thought. Consensus. It. Yes. Yes. I mean, now, granted, I, I love, you know, in Iowa's case, playing Minnesota and Wisconsin every year, you know, that they're border foes or, you know, they're mm-hmm. all big games. Michigan, you know, if you're playing, you know, you weren't playing Penn State every year, you probably bummed about that because that's a good matchup, too. You obviously, play Ohio State and Michigan State. But but that's that's what I like about this, that they haven't played for a few years, that they're going to play. It's going to be a slam yeah. ball style. And, and uh, you know, really – one of the great Ferris masterpieces was in 2016. I mean, they're 21 point underdogs. It was, yeah. Michigan was what nine and oh, second yep. by AP, third, I think. In, uh, that might have that might be the like the the most like thorn in the side. I mean, Harbaugh's had some bad losses that are like, uh, but that one, I guess if they'd won that one, they might have gone to the playoff and we wouldn't be talking about any of this. Like, even exactly. with that JT Barrett inch thing, what a night yeah. that was. Yeah. the Iowa City, Kinnick Stadium, they rushed the field. I remember that. Crazy. <laughs> and I just, uh, you know, like the week before, Iowa gave up almost 600 yards at Penn State with Saquon <laughs> Barkley and just <laughs> looked just pathetic. And I remember, you know, not that night. <laughs> yeah, right. And I remember picking the score on that game and I had it, you know, shoved in every, you know, my nose, let's say, from everybody. I had it 41 to nothing, Michigan. Right. I, That's I what it that felt was like. Good. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but, they got enough and uh-huh. they, you know, and that's the one thing about, I, I always compare Iowa to they're the, the 40 year old dude at the end of the bar with a, you know, he's got a glass of Schlitz or Pabst blue ribbon <laughs> flannel shirt, got a little gray scruff on his, yeah. on his, you know, calloused fingers, calloused hands. Yeah. You might be the bigger, stronger, more athletic guy, 
but you're not going to, he's going to be pretty damn tough to beat. You've got to make sure you're going down for the count to, to win. Yeah. And, and, and that's kind of the way I see this. I mean, if, if Michigan plays at its level, I think Michigan wins probably double yeah. digits, 10 yeah. points, 13, yeah. 14 points, something like that. If there's a turnover, if they're playing Ferentz ball, punt, 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 you know, strong defense, stop. And you're getting in the third and fourth quarter, and it's kind of like what it was, you know, even two years exactly. ago. Yeah. And Iowa has a chance that anything's possible. And yeah. and because if they're feeling confident, and you know that then we we've got a game, and, and we've seen you know Iowa's beaten Michigan five out of the last seven, and and really most of those games, I wouldn't say I was the more talented team. No, it's gone exactly how you just said. It's been one or two little things here, you know, like the, the game in 16, I think it was uh, the Devin Bush ran into the punter or something like that. And they called it the targeting. I think he had eject random weird things. Right. And they capitalized and like, that's what it takes. And I think nobody's better at it than Iowa. Nobody's better at playing that, that style. They've mastered it over the years. They do it better than anybody else. And I think that I know that Harbaugh knows that. I know that these are the type of games he actually really likes to coach in more than, more than most probably because I think he he knows what this team has I think more than you know most years obviously you're to this point obviously you know what your team has but like I know that when they play games like this when they play Wisconsin when they play Iowa they come out of it and it's like well we have definitive answers on who can play football here and who can't like and yeah. so I don't worry I used I you know and I know that they've lost you know they've lost to Iowa under Harbaugh but you know, I wouldn't worry as much if I were a Michigan person about Michigan playing Iowa as I used to, like when, when Brady was here or when Rich Rod was here. And it's like, if you're sloppy, you're going to lose. And with Harbaugh's best teams, they're typically not sloppy. So you get, you know, it's, you got to be perfect some days, but you know, they usually are better with the slop stuff and you can really test yourself in a game like this. And I think that that's what we'll see here uh, on Saturday from both sides, but you're right. Like we talk about like, this could be a game too for Michigan where like the physicality of it, I do wonder, does it wear them out to a point if they do win it, you know, to where it's like <laughs> you're barely walking after the game's over through the rest of December, like we saw 2015 Michigan, Michigan state, Iowa. You know, I, I kind of wonder though, you know, and of course matchup played so much into that for Michigan yeah. state playing Alabama and, and everything. I, I think if Michigan survives, it, it probably gets to the, to the ultimate Monday night game. I, I think I, so. Yeah. I think yeah. if Michigan wins, let's say by point spread type thing, 27, 17, something mm. like that. Um, and it plays Oklahoma state or Cincinnati or something in the, in the semis. I think it wins. I think they win that game. Yeah. And, and then it comes down in Georgia. You probably got an equal matchup, which is great defense, mm-hmm. probably a little better on defense. Certainly. Yeah. Much better. Yeah. Right. yeah. But uh, you've got, you've got the ability to say, uh, you, you've got a puncher's chance in that one. Yeah. You know, but you got to get there. And, and you know, I, one, one last thing I want to ask you about is just kind of the mental approach. I mean, getting past mm-hmm. Ohio State is such oh. a big deal. And I know even from the questions days later that they're asked, getting asked and then also answering and everything. Yeah. There's a hangover effect. It has to be in a rivalry game. Getting so I wonder about, yeah. Goliath. Iowa doesn't have that because Nebraska is not that kind of rival for them. And then they had to play played it a day earlier. The big thing for them was, are they over the flu? But yeah, um, right. <laughs> uh, did that, you have a sense of that lingers and, and how long? Was it? I mean, this, this is completely uncharted for Michigan. They have never been to the big 10 championship game. They've never been to Indy for this week. They've never played this week. So 
they play Ohio State and then the season ends. That's what it's been forever. Uh, you know, win, lose, or draw. You know, right? So I don't know. I mean, this is a I, that's one that I really don't have an answer for because this year, more than any other year, really, and every year is kind of like this. They loaded up for Ohio State more than I've ever seen a Harbaugh team load up for. I mean, they were talking about Ohio State back in January, February, every single day. So it was a massive, I mean, the pressure that was on them going into that game and then the release that they had going out of it, I have no idea what to expect. I mean, I am very fascinated to see how this goes because I was just going to say, like, I don't know how the crowd's going to be. I know Iowa always travels super well. I would expect them to be really, you know, well represented in this game, but Michigan has never been here. I would expect this to be as close to a Michigan home game, despite Iowa having people here as you're going to get. So it's kind of like, I think they got to come out and start really fast here. Like, I don't think that they're going to want to see if they have a hangover. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think that's what I would say. Like, you don't want, like you said earlier, Scott, like you don't want to limp in here or be sluggish at all because that this is not the right team. This is the wrong team to do that against uh, in every single way. So I really don't have, I mean, they've been a pretty mature team all year. So that would be my sense that they wouldn't have too much of a worry with it, but like it's brand new territory. I really don't know how this would be. I remember listening one year to Urban Meyer talk about um, back in the day, you know, when he was at Florida and they'd play Florida state in that last game of the year. And then you have to go play the sec championship game. And then you have to go play, and he was like, it was insane to have to do that back to back to back. And I, I remember thinking about that, like, well, yeah, that would be. And for Michigan here, that's going to be the test Saturday is like, what's your emotional state going to be like? Are you drained? Are you not drained? What's what's everything going to be? Because everything from here on is brand new. No one knows how to react. There's really no plan for it. So we'll see how it goes. I think uh, conversely, you look at Iowa and, and you got to you can't afford to be conservative you can't yeah, just absolutely hey we're just going to run the ball three times up the middle and then punt and be happy with it uh, maybe you know I, I mentioned one of the worst Brian Ferentz call games one of the best ones was against Ohio State in 2017 right because he you know what what he did was he figured you know what we're just going to have to keep trying to score here we can't fall back into this conservative you know play you know let's just milk the clock and get no I mean they knew that the the metal of their foe and, and they yeah. had to, to, to keep attacking. Of course they had the tight ends to do it. You know, I mean, right, they had, right. <laughs> you know, it's funny. There were pretty 15, good players that year. <laughs> right. And, and people forget there were 15 players on the field that, that were either first or second round draft right. pick and six of them were from Iowa. They so, got some guys, yep. you know, and Morphs and, you know, Fanton Hawkinson, who you got to know really mm-hmm. well. Yep. And, uh, and those guys, even a Matt Nelson was playing defense. Yeah, Matt Nelson, my man. Yeah, right. then. Uh, so, yeah, it's uh, it, it was – that's the style that they're going to have to be smart, but they're also going to have to be aggressive. Um, and I think in order to pull an upset here. And, and uh, I, you know, either way, I expect a good physical game. Uh, you know, the, the seats were sold out like that. 30 uh, seconds. Yeah, right. Yeah. I've seen on different, like, StubHub and stuff that the yeah. ticket prices are out of this world on the secondary market uh, more, more than even the SEC championship. So yeah. no hotels. So good luck yeah. with all that folks. Bring your campers and tents. If you want to get a place to stay. <laughs> exactly. I don't want to, it was funny, you know, bring that up. You know, you got a hotel over by the airport. I, yeah. I was looking up for, for one and I found <laughs> a bed and breakfast and an alpaca. <laughs> I didn't have done it. it. That would have been perfect. Yeah. I know. I'm like, uh, you know, so, <laughs> my, <laughs> so I, I'm like, 
let my daughter all the way. loves alpacas yeah. and I'm like, hey, you're gonna have to stay here sometime in the summer. But, uh, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Well, this has been great. I appreciate yes, all your time, Nick. And uh, be sure to check out The Beat with Nick and Brendan Quinn for all of the Michigan angles. As always, we thank you, our legends and listeners. Please rate and review us. Five stars, just like Ari Wasserman's favorite recruits. So for Nick Baumgartner, this is Scott Dockerman. Thanks again for listening, and we'll talk to you again next week. Thank you.